Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast, Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on the Sports Podcast Network. A network of podcasts with all sporting genres covered for all of your podcast needs. Uh, I'm joined this week by uh, nicest man in Cornish Rugby Podcast, Ben Eustace. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Uh, and the Lensman. Hi, Doug. Hello. How are you both? You all right? Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, no, uh, no Housewives favourite this week. Um, he's just informed us that Mrs. Farm Vet has uh, kiboshed all his podcast plans by not being home from work in time, which is pretty selfish. So uh, unlucky, Phil. Um, I have noticed, you know, I'll give you both the opportunity to give Phil some pelters uh, like you do with me when I'm not here. No, I like Phil. Yeah, no, I'm good. Good. <laughs> I thought that might happen. Um <laughs> But there you go. Uh, I'm going to start the show off by saying a big happy birthday to one of our loyalist. Loyalist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not a loyalist. One of, our, one, of, one of our most loyal followers. One of our, he's been with us a long time. Uh, Duncan Keane, Leicester Tigers fan. Uh, I would say welcome to the 40 Club, but I'm not there yet. But I'm sure uh, Phil, Doug and Ben will welcome you to the, the 40 Club from your birthday at the weekend. So I hope you had a great weekend. Um, so yeah, that's that's you, and you're not a loyalist, uh, despite what what I said earlier. Uh, right, <laughs> I mean, I'm already waffling. I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've had half a glass of Shiraz. Um, so so can I shock you? Can I shock you? I, I like wine. wine. I like wine. Um, I've not I've not watched too much rugby this weekend, and JB's already called me out for asking people on Twitter what we should talk about, saying that we should write our own running order, which uh, 
may well have rumbled me. Um, but having not watched too much uh, Premiership action this weekend, I thought it would be better for us to go a little bit off-piste and talk about some, some current rugby affairs. So why not let's uh, start with... Well, let me start by first saying that, um, you know, if we... If we um... If we were to ever go down the route of asking the people that listen to us to pay extra a month to listen to us, then perhaps we would write a running order, but we don't, so we're not going to. I mean, that's a fair comment. Um, and never will we. We will never. I mean, that that is a fact. That is a fact. Can you imagine anybody paying to listen to us? Idiots. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> Idiots I mean, you... You, you could argue that they're idiots to listen to us for free. Yeah. Um, the only reason I do this podcast, Russ, is to make golf plans with you that then subsequently get cancelled. <laughs> and or abuse me at, yeah. at different levels. That's literally the only reason I'm here. Uh, that's fair enough. That's fair <laughs> enough. Um, right. Well, first of all, we're back into Six Nations action this weekend. So um, let's start with the big news from Eddie Jones's England squad this week, which is Alex Donbrandt's got COVID. So we don't know necessarily when, when he'll be back. Has it been confirmed where his timelines are in regards to negative tests and stuff, Ben? Are you aware of, of where we, where we sit with that? Or do we just have to wait and see? Um, he can't return to training until the middle of next week. Um, so it's going to make it, I mean, that's that fuck, then, isn't it? Tight, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are no laws. That, there are no rules anymore, are there? The rules they, are, there are. The rules are, there are no rules. Yeah. <laughs> he could technically just strap a sort of positive test to each finger and just run on the pitch if he wanted to. Um, but I... Oh, I tung, tungs and tip screws? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, an, I'm a... A murderer could use sausages. No, no <laughs> fingerprints. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, if he's not going to train, he's going to struggle to play. Yeah. Um, you would imagine. Um, but, I mean, the sort of sort of background noise seems to be he might not make it. So, um, that's that's bad because he played really well against Wales. I mean, um, is, it is very bad considering yeah. the way Ireland have been playing. Yeah. And, and England's, say, lack of back row options. I mean, Tom Curry's included. Um Despite going off injured against Wales, um, Chess seems there. From himself, Russ. I mean, the, the person recovered from an injury in a week. The person who everyone is saying probably needs to be protected from themselves is Sam Underhill, Ben, after yeah. uh, one game of rugby for Bath. Well, having seen the Irish back row sort of carrying for the last. I was going to say three games, but two and a half games, really, because that was a bit of a shambles last week. But um, I think the logic of Underhill is they're going to have to have someone there just to make tackle after tackle. And if anything happens to Laws, he, he's definitely going to need to come in. But likewise, if if Curry has to go over onto the to number eight, um, then he's a handy man to have in if he can finish the game, which is the big if at the moment. I mean, on on uh, talent, he's definitely worth his place in the squad. But you know, it's it's another player maybe that we're a little bit 
dubious he's going to string three or four oh. games together at the moment. Whose head is softer, Sam George... or George North? <laughs> I was just about to. I was just about to go down the um, marshmallow in the the and marshmallow head of? comparison. Is it made of marshmallow or tofu? Of what? Tofu. 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 <laughs> what the fuck is tofu? Oh yeah, in the back row. Aren't they those chocolates from the eighties? Oh, what the? Yeah, I've you know, off of the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> those chocolates off the eighties. You know the ones. <laughs> Things like green stuff in tins. <laughs> um, someone I can't remember who it. It might have been Dunk actually. Um, did um, reply to your plea for content and ask if we thought um, Barbary should come in. As, I mean, uh, what's, there, as... what's there to lose by picking Barbary this weekend? Um, well, I mean... Well, he could have a stinker and never play for England again. Um, well, he could have a br- to, to be fair, in. Ben, yeah. he could have a brilliant game and never play for England well, again. That's very true, yeah. And I think, I think that the tweet made the point that um, Simmons hasn't had a lot of luck against Irish back rows over the last few years. So, you know... Starting him at eight might be might be a risk. So, um, I mean, it's a possibility, but I can't for the life of me think Eddie Jones would do it. I think he'd be I more likely to suggest, start Chesham at eight. Well, I was going to say I, I I would I would be less surprised if he started bloody Nick Easter at eight than uh... <laughs> go, <laughs> go on, Minty. Just <laughs> it wouldn't even be a left field selection for Eddie Jones, would he? The rotting carcass of Nick Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Just pulling up to uh, Penny Hill Park with bloody licorice all sorts falling out of his pockets. <laughs> 20 beds and edges. Yeah. You know, you know those players that um, you know, they're retired and 20 years later they look like they, they'd only just retired and could probably step back on the pitch. I'm not sure Nick Easter's one of those. No, no. Um, I'm afraid. I reckon Nick Easter has to rev himself up to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think seven years of retirement have not left him pleasurable <laughs> to mine eye? Do, do you think, because we've got relatively little content, it's going to become very partridge heavy? I mean, Maybe. it already has, Maybe. but I'm not bothered. I'm not How bothered. many of uh, Nick Easter's joints don't have arthritis, do you reckon? <laughs> Probably more, less than that do. Yeah, if we're, if we're on a ratio, just Nick Easter's calcified bone uh, joints. <laughs> there we go. That, and there's this week's podcast title. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say also a uh, potential racehorse name. <laughs> Nick Easter's calcified joints. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I mean, what? Look at look at it. England's options then going into this Ireland game. They've called up Nick Dolly. Um, they've got Blameyer. Blamia, I mean, I've gone a bit Eddie Stevens. There I can't believe that Nick Dolly's in that team over um, the Newcastle hooker. Oh, McGuigan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is a Newcastle hooker in there. Maybe they've got an agreement with Newcastle. They couldn't take both their hookers. Mm. I mean, if you ask me. McGuigan's better than uh, McGuigan's a better player all round anyway. Yeah. But again, Eddie Jones. So doesn't matter what any of us think, does it? No, I mean it, it. It stinks to me of him going with Tom Curry at eight. Oh yeah, like he Tom did Curry, at yeah, yeah, Tom Curry at eight. 
<laughs> no, he'll go. He'll go Underhill at seven. Underhill comes he'll, straight back no, in. He'll at go seven. Tom Curry at eight, ToJ at seven, Laws at six, and then he'll put Underhill oh. at four. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Dolly at five, and he'll play bloody. He's called up. Um, he's called up Alex Mitchell. He'll probably play hooker. Yeah, Jason Pissflap and Keith Skill. Do, 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 do you think Russ, if he if he did play Barbary, he might play um, Curry at eight? And put Barbary at six. Well, and he'd, then he'd have Underhill to. at seven. Isn't Barbary a hooker as well? Yeah, but but Eddie Eddie Jones, in his wisdom, has had a conversation with him, and he he's told him he needs to focus on on a single position to play. You know, in, if I was a player, round. and Eddie Jones told me to focus on something, I would do the exact opposite of that because that little fuck's not going to be there after the World Cup. I mean, he might not be there for the World Cup. Oh. Let's be honest. If we lose this game, where will we go in the table? Because uh, we'd have only won against Italy, right? And Wales, so two games. Let's, let's have a look. I mean, yeah. Because we, we're almost certainly going to lose the next two games. Yeah, I, un, undoubtedly, I think we'll lose the next two games. So we are, we're currently sat third on 10 points. So if we lose to Ireland, you know, even without a bonus point, Ireland will go to 15. We might go to 11 with the losing bonus point. Um. Scotland play Italy, so they're going to lightly move on to 10 points. And then Wales, France. So we we would drop to fourth, potentially. Um, maybe if any other third. coach... If any other coach had finished fourth, fifth and then fourth in subsequent Six Nations, they would be baying for his blood. They, as in Stephen Jones and all that lot. Um, I haven't seen one article questioning Eddie Jones in any paper after any game. Who's who's that, actually holding him accountable? Is that just because of what he signed? You know, is it going to cost them? No, no, but a million to get rid of him. Or... You got to remember when you remember when it was, you know, Robinson and then and and Johnson and even Brian Ashton. Right? They lost a few games. They were still winning Six Nations, but they were they lost a few games and 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 they were people were blaming for him to be sacked. And now Eddie Jones just seems to be impervious to it. Like, I I can't recall an article criticizing him, let alone questioning him his job. And he can't remember any. An England, I can't remember an England coach being so divisive of opinion. Well, I don't think he is divisive. I, I think me, he is. You show me a rugby fan in the street that thinks he's the right, like that wants oh, him there. But you, or thinks okay, that his selections it's a good. divisive between between the media and the and the rugby paying public. But the, because the media don't the media don't question him. That's what I mean. But the public do. So that's divisive. I think it. I think up until probably uh, last year, maybe two years ago, I think quite a lot of the public were still in favour of him. But I think everyone's just sick of it now. Um, it. You know what? I think there doesn't there doesn't appear to be a plan anymore. There was a plan, but what's the plan now? We said it, it last time, didn't we? It's kind of a. There's no. They're not a. Was it? Was it you said, Doug? They're not a power team. They're not a pace team. Yeah. They're not really a kicking team anymore. They're just all like making it up on the hoof, it looks like at times. 
And, you know, for the amount of time they spend together and the amount of players' breaks at training... The amount it's of stuff really... in the Premiership we have to watch. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's... I think most people are probably pretty much sick of it now. Um, but, you know, they've paid for him till after the World Cup. Maybe it's like ride or die now. But, but it's like... We... Every every week during the Six Nations and then during the during the offices, we have to listen to his rhetoric of excuses and oh mate, oh mate, like every start of every sentence, oh mate, just he doesn't he 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 appears to me to think that he is so much smarter in rugby intelligence terms than everybody else. That he is a he is above that line of criticism, and he he thinks that he is that much smarter than everybody else. That he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have to explain the reasons behind his decisions, and that to me, not only is it arrogant, but it's probably his biggest weakness. Because we're not going anywhere. We haven't like when he when he first took over, and we went to Australia. Was it so? He took over after the World Cup debacle from Lancaster, didn't he? After we yeah. lost to Wales in fifteen. Yeah. So he took over that, you know, for that Six Nations. Then we went to Australia, and we that summer, and we absolutely sort of put them to the sword. And everyone was like, oh, you know, even he even turned James Haskell into something that you know, resembled a rugby player. And then everyone's really positive. We managed to, we, we then got through to the, to the world cup had probably one of the best games that we've ever seen England play against New Zealand in that semi-final. And what else have we had really? We haven't had a grand slam under Eddie, have we? I don't believe. We haven't, we haven't had many new players. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd still be picking Haskell if he hadn't retired. It's just, I don't, like you just said a minute ago, Ben, it's, 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 it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. What's the plan? What are we doing? What, what are England? What are they trying to be? I'm just, I'm just taking a look at the, the team that played in that Australia series. Yeah. And it's, it does at least have a bit of a do you remember identity when he, do you, to it. Do you remember when he it, subbed, when, when he went to Australia and he subbed Luther Burrell after 20 minutes? Yeah, yeah. And everyone and was like, oh, good, like decision maker. He's not going to, he's not going to um, sort of die wondering. He's going to make these bold decisions and he's going to do things like this. And I mean, if you look, sorry, sorry. Russ, no, Karen. you go on. No, 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 it's fine. I, I, I was just saying, if you look at that pack, it's, so it's it's probably the classic Eddie Hold Jones. On, so, pack. But, so let me. It's, let, I mean, I'm not looking. So, uh, am I going to say? Should, um, we, should, we, should we try and name it? Well, that's what I was yeah. going to do. So, I'm going to say it's Cole. Yep. Um, Cole. Who was Hartley? Gonna, Hartley and yeah. Vodapola. Yep. Then, Itoji. And Cruz, yeah, 
Fat Rose, Haskell. Haskell at seven. Billy. Curry. Rob Shaw. Rob Shaw. So, so that, that pack is, is essentially is, the same as it is next weekend. Well, I, I was going to say that pack's built for a purpose. It might not be what you want from a pack, but that pack is it's pretty powerful. It's pretty hardworking. Whereas the pack that we'd be putting out next weekend has got, it, you know, if, if, if Curry plays, you've got a small number eight and, and then a big six and, and then one of your best second rows playing in the back row and you haven't got a ball carrier of, um, you know, Vodopolis class in the front row. I think, I think that pack is much more classic. It's, it's, it's a balanced pack at least, although it's probably not the quickest. It's, it's got a, you know, identity to it. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought in, funnily enough, for the final test, uh, I, didn't, I did not remember this, but Tamana Harrison played for 30 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he get binned off in the first half as well? He yeah, he did. Half, yeah, less than half yeah. a game and got binned off. That was in the the, the final test, which was probably, a bit of a, la- a bonkers game, wasn't it? Probably the last time um, he played. So in the back, so in the back end, so definitely Ben Youngs and Owen Farrell, George Ford. Yeah, so so the the backs is is a little bit more chopped and changed, but um, again, it's classic Eddie Jones. So the the last test is Youngs, Ford, Farrell, Joseph, Watson, Noel, and Brown. Um, same for the second test, and then in the and you you could argue right. So take Mike Brown out of the equation a second. If Anthony Watson is fit, yeah, and, and Owen Farrell is fit. Bear in they mind that play. was six years ago. Youngs, Farrell, Noel, Watson, all play. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, put Stewart in there. Maybe put Slade in there at thirteen. Well, and Smith Smith's going to play, isn't he? So well, no, no, no. But like, if if Farrell was fit, would would Smith play? You'd like to think he would, but I think no he would chance. do now. There is, but, no, there is no chance if Farrell's fit, Smith's playing. No chance. Do you not think he'd just place Farrell at twelve? I just think Farrell stifles Smith. I think you play Farrell and Smith, you lose every ounce of Marcus Smith essence. The um the the backs in the first test though, a couple of curveballs in there. So it's Luther Burrell. Yeah, twenty. He started minutes. it. He started at twelve, didn't he? Yeah, yanked him up. Yanked him for forward after twenty eight minutes. Yeah, and then moved Farrell out one. So and, and there uh, was curveballs in the first test. Uh, fullback was that? A Ooh, that was... <laughs> no, that was Mike Brown. Uh, left wing. So oh, Noel was on the bench. It's not Johnny May. Ashton. Oh, no, Marlon Yard. Fucking hell! Yeah, Dick Fingers. I have to. I would. Uh, yeah. Um, I would point out he didn't play him again <laughs> in that series. And on, um, the, on the right wing? Um, Watson. Watson. 
Yeah. And it was Burrell and who was it, 13? Joseph. Joseph played all three games. You, you, you know, Joseph is a outside centre, isn't he? You've got a, yeah. an outside centre. You've got two wingers who are wingers. You've got a full-back. And then, all right, you're, you're mixing Farrell and forward a little bit. But again, it, it's, it's a bit more of a... Um, you know, like a, a classic back line as well. Where, you know, he hasn't got his. I mean, it's the same problem he's got now. He doesn't have his crash for well. Once Burrell didn't work out. Yeah. Still a bit lightweight, but. So, but with that in mind, right? If you haven't got a crash ball twelve, okay, right. So you need you need to have you need to think a little bit more about your game plan. You need to. You need to be a little bit cleverer about how you approach your carrying. So you need to carry a little bit closer in the type five. You need a little bit more of those guys to to carry in the close. Use um, a big winger. You can't. Yeah, you could do that. Um, I, I mean, Dokkan Asiga's back fit for Bath now as well, isn't he? You know, we might see him in the summer. Um, but what? Without wanting to go down too far down a, a well-trodden path where England tend to suffer. We've got, we've got a lot of really talented rugby players that are adaptable to many positions. What we don't have is standout world-class players in a particular position. Marcus Smith aside at the moment. Maybe Freddie Stewart. I mean, you, you could argue Freddie Stewart is a world-class fullback. I, I would put him up there with, with what he can do. Still relatively raw in international, but the way he plays the game as a fullback, you would say he's a world, he could be a world-class fullback. But other than that, and Atoji, who else is, you know, a standout player for their actual position. We've got lots of players that can play 12, 13, 12 you know, hours. I think what we've done there, what, what, what we've done is take a group of players who were among the best in the world. We've let them naturally waste away. So we've let, you know, Cruz left. Um, but you could say Courtney Laws is world-class. Yeah. Um, but, so is Courtney Laws no, 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 a world-class lock? So, so we've let these players sort of naturally waste away. Dan Cole's gone. He was world-class at the time. Um, you know, Ford's gone. Farrell Mako, is on the way out. Billy. Uh, Billy. Mako. And because of our reluctance to try new things, we are now left with a load of players who could be world-class. Johnny May is another one that we, you know, kept hold of too long, um, but are unproven. Because you watch the premiership week in, week out. We've probably got a dozen wingers in the, this country that would be among the best in the world, but then they're, they're unproven because they've never been given a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same old, the same old boys being wheeled out yeah. and moved into position. A lot like, We'll say it again. You know, how long has it taken for Don Brandt to get his shot at number eight? He's proven what he can do, though. You'd think he would be inked in for number eight. You've got Simmons, who is an actual number eight for his club. Some people will say lightweight. Some people will say a bit systemic for Exeter. Um, there are other 
you know, eight ball carrier out, carriers out there. Yet the likelihood is Eddie Jones will then pick Tom Curry at eight in a test match against Ireland. And then you've got a, a six or a seven playing at eight rather than a number eight yeah. playing at number yeah. eight. I, I, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for weeks. It, there's too many players who are good rugby players, but they're not specialists. You, the, the players you, you've mentioned in our backs that you'd say that the potential to be world-class are the ones that can only really play that play position. In that position, yep. Stewart could probably can play him anywhere else in the backs. Smith, you certainly couldn't. Um, whereas Slade, brilliant rugby player, you could play him at 12, you could play him at 13, you could play him at 15, and he could do a job at 10 for 10 minutes. And and you can't you can you can get away with one of those, but but we've got three in the backs. We had four at one stage. Yeah. And I think I think it makes life very difficult when you don't have a specialist. Uh, you know, Ringrose at 13. He's an out and out 13 for yeah, Ireland. Because it's a game plan, because he's playing outside and out and out 12 in yeah, Exactly. Um, I just it's structure, looked up, isn't it? Yeah, I just looked up the um, the other game that you mentioned from from the from the recent past, the World Cup semi final against New Zealand. What what do you, what do you think was the the back five of the pack in that game? The back five, yeah. Itoji, Cruz, Underhill, Curry, and Billy. That's what I would have thought as well, but it was actually a Toji and Laws with Curry, Underhill, and Billy. And I, he, I just he's think very, he's very rarely played those two in the back row, but, and, and Laws does a great job at, 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 at six. But I, I, I think if, if a Toji and Laws can do the second row stuff well enough, which if he's playing them in a World Cup semi final, you would imagine they can, then why not play him there and have another? back row in the back row I think this whole well I'm not going to use the phrase that people use but the Charlie Yules type second row the ballast I mean Charlie Yules didn't have a bad game against Wales I'll give him his due there but why are we not we've potentially got two of the best locks in the world you know Doug you you said you could argue Courtney Laws is one of the best players in the world I'm not going to disagree with that, but is he one of the best locks in the world or is he one of the best sixes in the world? And, and like Cruz has retired now, but you do have Launchbury to come back. Now, if Launchbury's back, now that's, that's a different kettle of fish because Launchbury is, you know, in the same class of player as Laws and Otoje. So then you, you weigh it up then, is Launchbury in the row with Otoje at six a better option than whoever you're going to bring in at six, if you move Itoje into, uh, um, Laws into the, into the second row. But I think if you're picking, and you're right, yours did play very well against Wales, but with the, with the greatest respect, he's probably the fifth best second row in England, best case scenario. I don't even think he's the best second row at Bath, Ben. Well, maybe, but, you know, he's in the squad, but, you know, you, you do have the option, Launchbury is a step up. Is yeah, yeah, all yeah, I'm agree, saying there. Agree. Yeah. It is pomp. Launchbury. Launchbury could be up there. What or was up there when he was flying in, in the world-class conversation. He was yeah. exceptional. In, until um, um until Atoje came through, 
you would have said launch Bree would get 100 caps and be captain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the launch Bree coming through and Laws being around for so long has, has thrown a stick in that particular work. But, you know, he's still done pretty well caps-wise in, in that time. And, you know, as you say, if he comes back fit, he's, he's a brilliant player. I think it's just that it just seems to me if we're going if we're going to go and go into this game against Ireland without Don Brandt, we need somebody who can legitimately break the game line. And look at looking at that England team, who can actually do it with any regularity? I mean, they can all ad hoc find a weak yeah. shoulder, or you know, anybody can do that. Well, but Don Brandt that does. The name that jumps out is Barbary, isn't it? Yeah, it, does, well, and, it absolutely and, does. So, so I mean, uh, to be fair to the kid, you'd think what we said earlier, maybe start him at, if he is going to start, and I'm not 100% sold this is the right option, but if you are going to start him, start him at six and then have Curry at eight, because at least Curry has played an international game at eight. Yeah, and I don't um, necessarily, I don't necessarily mind that if we've got that carrying option on the pitch, I'm all right with it. But again, we're going back on, we're going back on what we just said and playing two players out of position. So, well, but he's not, he's Barbary is a six. We're only playing one player out of position then in current. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for, as a lesser of two evil selection, you know, I'd rather, what I'd rather, I'd rather see Barbary, it's six and and Laws in the row with Curry at eight than I would Laws at six, Curry at eight and Yules in the row. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because what what does your what does Charlie Yules offer over and above what Barberry can offer? And I would argue that Barberry Barberry offers infinitely more than Charlie Yules does. Because you then have laws on in the in the row still doing what he does around the pitch. But we're second guessing, like we're second guessing selection that we know isn't gonna happen because it's going to be run of the mill. It'll be laws and the toji. Sorry, it'll be Yules and the Toji. It'll be Laws at six, Underhill at seven, Curry at eight, it'll be Young's at nine. Cause I think that. Harry Randall, whilst the speed of ball um, against Wales was good to a point, I think there were some game management issues at times. And I think against Ireland, you make the you make the, some of the mistakes that Randall did against Wales. We Ireland will punish us. Now, Wales are nowhere near in the classes that Ireland are, and. We could end up on the on the end of a an, quite an embarrassing. I think I think the other thing they're going to have to really think about against Ireland is is trying to a slow their ball down and b turn them over because they just they 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 they, they retain possession but um, they're coming they're not attacking too much into the rucks and malls they're they're almost trying to over overload the defense or, or certainly in the first couple of games that's what they were trying to do with with enough carriers to confuse the defensive lines so i think you really do need to slow their ball down to to, to get your defense organized 
Could you so, do you think you know, we could see a return of the um the deep kicking game that we saw in the autumn against Ireland? Fuck I hope not. I mean, you, you say that, Doug, right? But for as far as uh, if you're going to try and find a tactic to win a game, the way that we are attacking at the moment with the ball in hand, we're, we're not going to be able to get through. Our, we'll end up playing rugby between the two 10-meter lines all day because I don't see us getting round or through Ireland with the current way our backs are playing. So the only way I can see us potentially getting a victory is by pinning them down in their 22, trying to get them turned over and, and win a territory battle. That, and, and as a way to win a rugby match, whilst it might not be the most beautiful way to do it, I don't, I don't see any really other way that England can compete. Um. Yes, but is is that is that team going to be able to outkick the Ireland team? Because you've got Sexton. Is Sexton fit? I th- I think he is, isn't he? Um. I mean, if Sexton's not fit, then all bets are off, aren't they? Because... I mean, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're still but, better. I mean, but, but again, like Carberry's a step down from Sexton, isn't he? But I yeah. think, you know, Smith is, you know, great player, but is he going to win a tactical kicking game with Sexton? Possibly not. Um, you know, we don't know the Irish selection yet, so they could... You know, if they if they think there might be a bit more kicking, they might bring Henshaw in. Um, you've also got you know the option of Lowe, who has, has got a big boot um, on him as well. So um, it might be the plan because, like you say, they might not have much choice. And you know, at least with um, Noel and Malins and Stewart, you've got a chance in the air. They're all good in the air. Yeah. Um, but you know. I, I, every Irish back three has been good in the air since you know since rugby began. So you know it's uh, it, it it'd be a roll of the dice, wouldn't it? It depends. Yeah, it could be. I mean, uh, Hansen scored that try against France in the. I don't know whether he's been properly tested under the high ball. Um, is it key they've been playing Keenan at fullback? Yeah, you know, I just don't. I don't think any team has really got a lot of pressure to them. Um, France ran it a lot, as France do. Um, and Wales were, well, borderline pathetic against Ireland. So, you know, I don't, I don't know necessarily whether that, back, whether that back three has been legitimately tested. But like you say, that would be then down to Smith and Slade mm. on how they executed that particular sort of facet of the game. And, you know, you can see how quickly that sort of shit falls apart when it's not executed properly. Yeah. It's just, you know, it has to be bang on for it to be in any way, shape or form effective. Um, how do you see it going then, Ben? No, early prediction. We don't know. We obviously don't know the teams. What do you think? I mean, uh, I think if uh, both teams put out their strongest sides, I think Ireland will win. Um, I think the sort of, 
I mean, I say this the last time I went to Twickenham, Ireland got Ireland absolutely battered England, but I think usually England at home don't get hammered. So I think Ireland probably by four, four or five. Doug? Uh, <clears throat> I think it could be England's largest ever defeat to Ireland. Ooh. Of which, which you don't I know. don't know the answer to. <laughs> but I think they'll get a pacing. And <clears throat> I'd like to see some of the um, blame. I'd like to see Eddie Jones questioned. Properly. Yeah. By Sonia McLaughlin. Well, she's never going to do it, but sure. <laughs> that was just, <laughs> just a joke. Um, okay. Uh, Friday night. It's nice to see a, a Friday night game. I'm looking forward to this one. Wales versus France. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, as always, um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Welsh get absolutely obliterated. Um, the the amount of noise that came out of the, the defeat to Twickenham uh, the other week was was almost for too much for one country to handle. Um, but this Friday, uh, the Six Nations returns and they play France, which is going to be brilliant. Um, they go to the Principality or the Millennium Stadium, we'll call it. Yeah. How many, how many points do you think France will beat Wales by, Doug? 20. Fairly conservative, but you know, we'll give you yeah, I just uh, Wales have just got a bit more dog than most other yeah. countries. I don't think they'll get a pace thing, I think they'll be beaten, but yeah, I, th- I, 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 think, I, th- I think they'll lose to France by more than we by less than we will. Yeah, I, I, I think Doug's right. I don't think Wales are going to get absolutely blown to pieces, but I think it could be something like 32 18 or something like that. Uh, I, th- I think. As an early prediction, I think France will be out of sight within 25 minutes. There you go. You can you can take that to the bank. Um, and then the other game of the weekend is uh, Scotland versus Italy, which I'm pretty sure not one person listening to this podcast really cares about. <laughs> that having the Italy... on this podcast cares about <laughs> <laughs> having the Italy game. Um on early it's, it's quite handy isn't it because you, you can sort of sort of say oh don't, don't worry I, I i'll miss the first game and i'll i'll, I'll go out and do whatever it is you, you want to do and then just i just need to be back for half past four for the england game so um, play the yeah, game that, that, yeah uh... and handy having the early game early it's about time they were on a saturday i was getting fed up watching italy on a sunday afternoon <laughs> was... we got nothing to watch this sunday afternoon no I mean, there is only one Premiership game on the telly this weekend, isn't there? And that's on Sunday afternoon. Seen plenty, of pe- seen plenty of people moaning about that now. You see Twitter, oh, there's only one Premiership game all weekend. Forgetting that Wales-France is on the BBC on Friday yeah. night. There's two yeah. games on free to wear on Saturday in the Six Nations and then a we- game of rugby on Sunday. But plus, that's not good enough. Plus, Plus, if they wanted to watch their Premiership team, they could pay for it via the subscription service now. So they could actually watch it if they wanted to watch it, but they'd have to yeah. pay for it. But that's not good enough because there's only one Premiership game on this weekend, damn you. <laughs> and we all know how great the Premiership's been this season. 
<laughs> I mean, with the with the best will in the world, like Wales France is one of the games you want to watch as well, isn't it? It's it's not like it's not like a filler fixture, you know. That's one of the big games. Even if Wales aren't particularly good, that is sort of a sort of uh, landmark fixture for the tournament, isn't it? It's not yeah. like they're putting, um, you know, Italy, Italy versus Ireland. Scotland. Yeah, on a Friday night. Like that. You know, have I mentioned the, the cla- that? Have I mentioned that I'll be at uh, Cardiff on Friday night? You haven't, Doug. No. Well, there you go. I just did. Are you working? Yeah. Oh, look. Best job, best job in the world for Douglas Lett. Yeah, great. I got to drive to Cardiff. Brilliant. After being in Brighton on Thursday night. Well, that serves you right for bad planning. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Should we talk about something else? Uh, kind of annoyed about England now. Yeah, yeah go we on talked then. about them for nearly an hour. I yeah. mean, you know, people listen to us to listen to us moan anyway. So go on then. Well, let's moan about, you know, the absolute shambles that is the promotion and relegation. Yeah, Let, let's do that. Um, I watched a bit of, um, I happened to catch a bit of rugby tonight. Last night with Craig Doyle, Topsy Ojo. Rugby and ben. last night, you mean? Rugby, yeah. Rugby <laughs> last night. And Ben and they, they Ben Kay was talking about it. Um, you know, and I'm not sure if Ben Kay is on the PRL payroll or not, but it kind of sounded like it. <laughs> the only thing that those 13 clubs care about is their one thirteenth share of the fucking money. That is it. Nothing else. Don't like, don't be fooled by anything other than they don't want anybody else to join because they're going to have to share a bit more of their money. That is it. You can't tell me that the criteria of 10,000 pounds, 10,000 seater stadiums, et cetera, et cetera, that Ealing and Doncaster have not met, which is what, the RFU and the the PRL are hiding behind with regards to promotion relegation. Is that just something that's, that's appeared over the last, you know, over the last six months, is it? You know, they would have known. So Doncaster and Elin would have known what the criteria was and would have, you would have thought had the opportunity to set a stall out or to meet, to meet that. They would have known long before last week themselves, had they had not met that criteria so the, the RFU in the releasing the statement regarding promotion and relegation is absolute bollocks. The amount of temporary seating at Bath, the amount of, you know, what was it Saracens had before they went? They didn't they get to like 10,050 or something at one point at the Stone X because they had some temporary um, seating. You know, I watched Exeter Sale yesterday and Sandy, there couldn't have been more than five or 6,000 at Sandy Park on a Sunday afternoon. The, the place was half empty. It was a real surprise. You know, how many people go to Newcastle on a, on a weekly basis? How many people go, how many people go every week? You could, you could say 
maybe Leicester home games, uh, Bath home games for the big ones where they get over 10,000. Most yeah, there's not there's there's not many, and it's you know, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I, I think, um, the premiership has done a brilliant job of you know, I have to be minded of you know, this is a personal opinion, not a professional opinion. Um, the premiership have done a brilliant job of convincing the rugby watching public that this is an RFU decision. Yeah. Well, because um, it's the RFU that have released a statement, not the PRL. Yeah. Uh, this Conveniently. Is, this is the um, owners of the clubs making a decision in their best interest. The only people in rugby that this serves to benefit is the 13 men that own the 13 premiership clubs. No one else. Um, and until that's acknowledged, I don't think... I don't think any of it is a is a RFU decision. I think the RFU would be foolish to to put itself in a position whereby its leagues become completely pointless, um, which they appear to be. Like what if these clubs need to? Oh, even the R. I, I said it last week. It, that the clubs just need to say, right, you're the premiership. You don't get any of our funding. We won't pick any. Because I guarantee you, those lads who are playing for England right now, if the RFU pulled its funding to the premiership and said, right, you're on your own, lads. If it sets English rugby back 25 years, it sets English rugby back 25 years, but we are backing our system because you guys don't appear to have any regard for it. So if you want to play for England, you've got to play for an RFU-affiliated club. You 13 lads, you're not an RFU-affiliated club. You're the premiership. Do your own thing. Ta-da. See what happens then. Yeah. It will never happen because the premiership clubs have got the RFU over a barrel regarding player release. So... um, I, I just wish they had the courage to do that because I think it would long-term benefit the entire game to get these self-obsessed, greedy, um, short-termist, um, self-serving people away from the game because they're going to kill it. I remember saying quite vividly when Saracens got relegated and then right at the end, once the Saracens relegated, I was trying to, th- I was trying to think of the timeline because we are two years. So at the end of March, we are two years into um, COVID-19. And to think that Saracens got relegated automatically at the start of that. So they, when all this came out, they were relegated at the end of that season, weren't they? Then they had a season in the championship and then they came back. And all of the, you know, the the pandemic, Saracens going down, coming back up, it all seems very, very convenient that they've been able to pull the drawbridge up, like like they've been waiting for an excuse. It's almost like, you know, you can't imagine. Well, you can't imagine it happening. They said to Saracens, right? Well, yeah, you were cheating, 
but you know, you're one of our boys, but shh, here's the plan, right? We're going to punish you. We're going to relegate you. But if we relegate Saracens, we know you're going to come straight back up again. So that's fine. You've got, you know, you've got good enough players to do that. Um, but it also means that Worcester and Newcastle that have been bouncing up and down for the last 10 years, you guys are safe. Thanks very much. As soon as Saracens come back up, we'll announce no promotion and relegation. Uh, or no, no relegation. We'll have a bye week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get around it somehow. And then what we'll do, lads, we'll pull the drawbridge up. So you 13 are safe. And that's it. We'll find a way to, to make it so Worcester and Newcastle aren't bouncing up and down where there is a risk that somebody else might beat you. Because it's, it's it's been close, you know, London Welsh, for all their sins, they they got in and then got out, you know. But And they saw that Elin were throwing a bit of money at it and thought, well, Elin, you know, Elin could legitimately finish above Worcester, beat them in a two-leg playoff or whatever. But we'll do it with Saracens. Look, make everybody realise that we're punishing them. And then, there we go, lads. In you come. Close the door. Away we go. I mean, it's over now. It's like <clears throat> the Premiership is no longer a, the top of the pyramid. Premiership's now 13 franchises that cease to be part of the rugby pyramid. Um how bore how boring is it? Like, I I'm really struggling, and I know I've, we've said this on a number of kids. I'm really struggling to get excited by any Premiership match. I sat there and watched Sale XT yesterday because there was quite literally nothing else to do. Yeah, but you know, I I, I think we second, should. I, I watched the second half because the MotoGP was on. I think we should just stop being surprised that the people that run sport uh, are grabbing at money rather than looking after the game. You know, I think I think every single sport is they've they've gone for uh, sort of um, heavy scoring over actual, you know, decent games. I think you know you've got you know, 2020 or 100, you know, that's what they're all concentrated on in cricket because it's more entertaining in inverted commas. And I think, you know, rugby's getting more and more open for that, partly for that reason. Um, but, you know, I think people will get sick of 54, 50 games. It's not week. even, it's not even the, those, it's not even those type of games, but it's, there's no jeopardy in it. There's no... Yeah, exactly. There's, exactly. Just, there's absolutely... Yeah. It's got no... It feels like it's got absolutely no soul whatsoever. But, and well, once, it reminds me once of the our little... generation. Sorry, mate. Once our generation... Yeah, once our generation of fans become so disenchanted with it and start to drift away because we're not watching it anymore because it's, it's borderline unwatchable as a product... What happens to the money men then? And then what happens to the sport? Yeah, but they've made their money then, haven't they? They've got their bonus and, and they're gone, so they don't care. It reminds me a little bit. Have you seen um, Death of a Gentleman? Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me a bit of the bit in that where they were talking about getting cricket into the Olympics 
and it would mean China would start playing and, um, you know, funding would go to cricket all around the world and India just, just, nah. And while we're at it, we're going to cut the World Cup down to eight nations as well. And you Almost know, as, just, a, as a punishment for suggesting yeah, something new. Yeah, you try exactly. to grow it, we're going to cut it. Yeah, and it's like, they're making money, so they're happy. And it's the same with the premiership. But as you know, I've, I've not looked, in, looked into it as, as much as a lot of other people have. Um, but, you know, that's what it is, isn't it? It's like we can make money off, off BT but, Sport. We can make money. Um, but it's, you know, it's a well-known fact. They're not making money. Like, this well, is what I don't understand. The clubs aren't making money. And the people that... I don't see how anybody is really making money out of rugby, which is which is what makes it so baffling that the that the money men or the supposed money men are, are closing the shop down because... Well, it, it's, surely it's, the, go on. it's the same reason that every team qualifies for Europe. What's the point? You know, these European Cups are so bloated and it's just because of money. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They don't make money. But I would imagine if they were playing um, in division, you know, in, in the championship, they'd be making less money. Um, so isn't, isn't that the point, Ben? Yeah, but that's yeah. But what I mean is, they don't want to go down, so they're going to ring fence it to to look after themselves. To raise an obvious point, but you know, they should. That that that's what Russ says. There's no jeopardy to it, is there? If if no. it goes the way it's going, um, no, well, uh, the, I mean, I I don't think there is normally though, is there? I mean, you've at least got. I don't yeah, think they bit... want jeopardy. That's the whole point. Yeah, no, that, that's it. Yeah, exactly. They don't. We want it, but they don't because it serves no one at that boardroom yeah. level to have jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. But but look at so look at Bath this season as an example. Like how bad have they how, were they pre Christmas? I mean, I've not watched enough of them post Christmas to know how much better they're playing. But they've. In the mat, in the matter of three or four weeks, they've already reeled in reeled in Worcester, so they're no mm. longer bottom. And Steve Diamond's taken over at Worcester, and they're still as shit as they've always been. So, it, you, well, it's the say the the argument with it all, Russ, and, and and this is you know, there's a salary cap. The salary caps are only really relevant if everyone's sticking to the salary cap. But also salary caps are only really relevant if there's a minimum salary cap as well, because the salary cap is meant to create parity. But parity is only there if everyone's sort of spending the same. And yeah. Worcester clearly aren't. So what's the and, and if, up a salary cap if you can just go, well, yeah, there's a four million salary cap. But we're only going to spend a million. Yeah, and it doesn't we're matter because go we're not going to get relegated. So we'll just exactly. we'll just we'll we'll bank our other three million, and th- and there's yeah. where our our turnover is going to come and from. We'll just by be, not paying wages. We'll just be crap in perpetuity. But the long term effects, if you go to the Warriors' ground now, it's empty. And when they when I first started working in the Premiership, that place was rocking. <clears throat> so and and that then bring that then begs the question: Is you know, oh, the minimum standards of having 10,000 people, you know, a 10,000 capacity ground. How and why is that even relevant? Yes, I get there are other facilities at play, 
but you'd you know I'd rather go to a five thousand a five thousand capacity stadium that was smashed out at five thousand ticket only um, with a really great atmosphere than go to a, a ten thousand seat stadium with three thousand people in it. But we all know it's not about that. No, I know, but how can they justify the log? Even justify the logic of having that as a statement. That's what I'm, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, because well, my right, the bare minimum they need to do is is say these are the reasons why, and you can't dispute that if it was in the rule book that there's ten thousand and one people required, and they can't meet ten thousand and one, then you can't argue it. Yeah. It's just the arbitrary nature of it. Saracens right didn't have saying- a ten thousand seat. Saracens did not have a ten thousand capacity when they went up. Because they only had three sides of a ground, and half of that was temporary. So, yeah. it, so they've written the they've again they've like say they've written they've written the rules once they've got everybody in that they wanted yeah. to be in. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying that Premiership football only requires five thousand. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. All but that's got to be all seated in it. But either way, five thousand all seated. To be in a Premier League where you've got teams playing in sixty seven thousand, I would argue that you probably, you probably could get five thousand all seated, even at the Menai. Yeah, you just put fucking deck chairs one next to the other. I was going to say you'd have to put them in people's living rooms. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, it's just such a shame. I make I make my living pretty much from Premiership rugby and. You know, but I, I would say more than anything, not not just because I make my living from it, but it's more important to me that rugby. You know, if I if I stop working on rugby tomorrow, I'd go and work on something else. I just wouldn't love it as much. But I'm going to find it hard to watch the premiership knowing that it means nothing. Yeah. And it and it's such a stupid situation like no one's going to get relegated. Leicester could win the league by 30 points this season and still not win the league. Yeah. You know it it just they've taken all element of jeopardy out of it. It just doesn't matter. Um and I would urge Premiership rugby fans to seriously consider what you're watching and and show people who are, I think, a little bit tone deaf and a little bit blinkered to the realities of their customers. You know what we should do? We should start a movement. We should start, we should encourage a movement that says. One weekend, instead of going to watch your premiership team, go and watch your, well, championship or national league. It has got to be close enough to every single person in this country. A close enough, I mean, bearing in mind, you know, there's not every single person in this country listens to us, but to have a boycott PRL weekend that just says, right, you know what? We're not going to Premiership this weekend. We'll empty the Premiership grounds and we'll put all of those people that would be at the Premiership 
go to your local championship or national league game. Cause there'll be one probably closer to you than what your premiership ground yeah. is. You, I mean, you might be overstating our reach. Well, no, but you know, out of small acorns, big oak trees grow and all that. You know, like if they do. If you're in London, go to Roslyn Park. If you're a Sale fan, go to Sale FC. If you're a Saints fan, go to Cambridge. Go to Chinna. Um, if you're a Wasp fan, go to Coventry. Coventry. Go to Birmingham. Mostly. If you're a, if you're a Saints fan, go to Bedford or go yeah. to. If you're an Exeter fan, go to Taunton. Yeah, Taunton or go down to the Pirates or go. Yeah. You know, Newcastle fans go to Darlington Maiden Park. Bristol and Gloucester go to Hartbury. It, yeah. It's not it's not difficult. There's and there's lots of even even like. The, the likes of um, Red Roof and or even if it's National League or Southern Southern League, you know, Western League, whatever it might be, go and go and watch some grassroots rugby. And, or, I'll, tell, and I'll tell you when the best time to do it would be. The last day of the season. Yeah. Right. I'm going to find out when that is. Fourth of June. Is that, is that when it is? Is it the last, last day of the regular season in the Premiership? Yeah, but will will the national league still be going on at that period of time? Well, that's a good point. So I, I'm I'm so my commitment off the back of this, I'm going to look at the fixture list, and I'm going to try and start a little movement. You know, give me some traction if you're listening, and go and find your local national league club. Be that looks like championship the championship will be the last. So that that that's what and that's what we'll do, and that weekend be it Saturday or Sunday, whatever it might be, go and find the National League game and don't go to the Premiership and we'll see if we can make a little bit of a stand, whether it'll make a difference or not. The answer is no, but we can do, <laughs> we can, we can do our bit. Right. I mean, we've we've managed to string this out for longer than I thought we would. So um, let's move into some any other business. Um, Doug, you can go first. Uh, I don't think I've really got anything this week. Can you Just, tell me? Uh, can you tell me a story? Can you humour me mm-hmm. about the time you were working on the cricket and spent time in the cartridge box with Shane Warne? Oh uh, right, yeah. Well, I, you know, I just assumed that everyone would know that you know it's sad that Shane Warne died and they didn't need me to moan about it. But well, no, it's not moaning about it. I don't want you to moan about Shane Warne dying, which is a really sad situation. But no, so okay. I'd like you to tell the story about you but spending as, time as a as a kid. I played cricket. My granddad taught me how to play cricket. Loved it. I remember watching the ball of the century with my granddad, who's jaw fell to the floor when he saw it um i'll always remember that but from watching that i wanted to be a leg spin bowler and i used to do my run up like shane warne the old swinging my arms as i came in you know um bold bold there tried to bowl flippers and big leg breaks and, and whatnot uh when i got into telly the first cricket job i worked on was the champions trophy and i think 2007 or something. So one England lost to India or India won at Edge Bastard. Um, and I think it was one of the group games and I, I, I was doing the studio camera. So I, I, um, I was doing the studio and the, the runner, I don't know if any of you follow Lauren Smith, is it? The, uh, she works for BT Sport. 
now does a lot of CrossFit. I'm sure people who listen to the pod will know. I know JB knows her and Tim knows her and stuff like that. So, um, but so we do our studio bits, and then when the when that finished and the game started, you'd have like three and a half hours, nothing to do unless there was a rain delay. So I just used to sit in the studio and watch the cricket. You know, it's like having your own private executive box at Edgebaston. Anyway, one morning. I'm sat there watching a game. I can't remember which game it was, but uh, I hear the door open. It used to it used to open quite a lot because um, who who's the extra Lankan player? The the guy with the English name, not Russell Arnold, the other one. Um, oh, he's a batsman. Can't remember anyway. And Ganguly used to come in and borrow my iPad to like read India. Gravy Lebroy. Um, for those of you that listen to the 12th man uh, to uh, an iPad which I've still got in my cupboard and, and uh, clearly it's still linked to my other iCloud accounts because I still get adverts for India today coming up um, <laughs> but this one morning um, the door closed and bloke sat next to me and he says how you doing mate I looked over I was just about to speak and I, and it was Shane Warne. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's Shane Warne. And I don't know if you, have you ever been starstruck by anyone seen someone and not, not, just not been able to get words out? Not properly. No. I mean, he was in a bad way. I mean, he was really hung over because <laughs> he'd it, been out the night before and he'd, he'd been on the piss in Birmingham and he was sat in the green room all morning, sort of, you know, with his sunglasses online on the sofa, but he sat there and we, we ended up once I'd got over my initial sort of stage fright and started chatting to him, we ended up talking about cricket, um, boozing. Cause I was quite into boozing then, um, you know, life and all sorts for a couple of hours. And it was, you know, it, one of the best memories I think I'll ever have, not only of work, just as a, just as an experience, I, I can't imagine there are too many people that have had that. You know, no, he just... I, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I tried not to talk too much about cricket because I, I kind of, when you're with guys like, like that, you, you kind of want to, I always feel like when I go to a party with a load of people I don't know, all they want to talk about is what being a cameraman's like. And it's like, I don't want to talk about that. So to, I really tried not to talk about cricket to Shane Warne because I, but he, you know, he humoured me when I did, but we just sat there chatting. It was just brilliant. And he was, you know, a really nice, really nice guy. You know, there's some of those sort of famous cricketers who aren't so nice, but he genuinely, you can see why people, um, why there's been such an outpouring of emotion around his, his death. Um, you know, just a just a, a really nice bloke and was nice to everyone. Amazing. And that, I suppose, you know, I, I vaguely remember you telling me about that before. Um, and I just wanted to, I suppose I wanted to ask you to tell that story more because you, you must meet people all the time, not anywhere near as famous as Shane Warne, but the utter dicks. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I met several on that job. Um, 
and for somebody of monumental stardom of, of Shane Warner, I don't know if you've watched that the Warn documentary on Amazon Prime. Not yet, no. It's it's just you know he always he always came across as just a pretty regular bloke that got quite lucky and continued yeah. to be a regular bloke whilst having yeah. an incredible talent. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, it was nice to everybody. And you don't, you know, that doesn't happen a lot. People... Look at Shane Keith Warren and then look at Elizabeth Hurley and ask him what other walk of life would those two ever be a couple? <laughs> madness. Absolute madness. He must have, you know, he has something. Yeah. Or he had something. Um, yeah. What real, real shame. But you know what? People die. So they do. Yeah. They do. Um, but there you go. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. No wazzers, um, bro. <laughs> no wazzers. Ben, have you got any other business? Um, yeah, very quickly. Yeah. So um, just going back to Shane Warne, um, two people at my work who don't follow cricket messaged me straight away as soon as they heard, which I think kind of shows how. Um, how, how famous he was and like how what he'd done in sport had kind of crossed into like mainstream and uh yeah and no no one seems to have a bad word to say about the bloke which is is, is always good and I, I always remember like it, it wasn't just his bowling it was the whole theater of it wasn't it like Doug said about him swinging his arms and he'd direct the field and there was always some chatter going on and yeah I, I just um you know he's one of those sportsmen it's a bit of a privilege to have been able to see even if it's just on telly um, but yeah, so it's been a pretty horrible week all, all around news-wise, but there was one glimmer of hope when um, Jason Donovan visited the Jason Donovan at the <laughs> Clifton Triangle in Bristol, which is uh, a place that I visited in my time, and it's a bit of a, a local legend, so he finally made it. Brilliant. <laughs> Go on, Jason Donovan. Um, I just want to talk very quickly about the absolute womp cannons in Cornwall um, <laughs> that panic by petrol and diesel, which has led to my local petrol station uh, putting their price of diesel up by more than 20 pence a litre in the last two weeks. After Storm Eunice hit, um, apparently there was a couple of missed fuel deliveries just because of the inclement weather and lorries travelling and all that sort of stuff. Um, it led to a week of there being no diesel almost anywhere in Cornwall. And then the, the garages local to me in and around Newquay have all put their prices of diesel up to approximately £1.71 to £1.75 a litre. In St Austell, which is less than 10 miles away, diesel is about £1.50, £1.54. Um, but in Newquay and the surrounding areas, it's 175. Doug, you said you filled up in Watford for diesel for 140 odd something today. Yeah. It's... Well, I'd, I'd do a cost benefit analysis, Russ, and it will probably be cheaper to drive to St. Austell. Oh, yeah, pet. yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. But my, my wider point is I heard on the news and obviously all the, the stuff that's happening across the world, the price of oil per barrel is at uh, the highest level it's been for 13 years. Now, 13 years ago, I don't remember diesel being £1.70 cunt in five a litre, <laughs> right? 
what happens is the price of the price per oil price per barrel of oil fluctuates always has fluctuated it goes up goes down the price at the pump goes up the price at the pump never goes down and it just keeps going up and up and up and up to we're at a point now where it's almost unsustainable i used to drive i used to have a um company car humble brag don't anymore um but we used to get paid like something ridiculous like 11p a mile to do work journeys 11p a mile which meant for a certain period of time, I was out of pocket doing work miles in a work <laughs> car because it just yeah. didn't cover it. Well, they, they say um, they, they say that uh, a, an increase in the crude oil price shows up immediately, but a reduction in the crude oil price takes six months to come off at the pump. Yeah. So you need six months of reduced crude oil prices before you pay less for your pay. But it's absolute profiteering. Well, it's, it's nothing but yeah, profit- it should be... Um, it should be government regulated, but yeah. it won't be because they're but, all on the boards of oil companies. Absolutely. A bit like PRL. Um, but the price of diesel, right? For four days, the lo- the petrol station that is literally 300 metres from my house had no diesel. Yet every single day that they didn't have diesel, the price went up. Just on the board. We haven't got any, but putting the price up, just so you know, when we do get some and you all panic by it, um, it's yeah. going to be mega expensive. It's um, it's a crazy situation, but do you know what? Um... It's not crazy for you. You're paying 140 a litre, you dickhead. <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to last forever, is it? I mean, it's you choose to live in Cornwall, Russ. You work for BT, mate. You could live anywhere in Britain. Thanks. Yeah, you could move to Watford. Petrol's that much of a problem for you. I mean, you forget I've spent quite a bit of time in Watford. <laughs> there, there are plenty of places where I'd move before Watford. Um, <laughs> Kiev, for one. <laughs> uh, I think you'll find that's pronounced Kiev. <laughs> Kiev. Yeah, when did Kiev become Kiev? Yeah. Fuck's sake. You know. When all the Ukrainians called it Kiev. Yeah, because that's what imagine. it's because that's what it's called. Yeah, it's probably it's not, called that forever. Call it Kiev, you pricks. <laughs> anyway, right oh, there you go. Good old chicken Kiev. <laughs> we'll have one later. Going back to Shane Warne, I I had a vague memory of this, so I've just looked it up. So when he won the overseas sports personality of the year in two thousand and five, he beat Fernando Alonso. Lance Armstrong and Roger Federer. So that's three. But only one of those was not on drugs. Well, that's true, but that's three like Uber athletes, isn't it? Yeah. Also, also three personalities. Yeah, and, and also three people who would never have heard of Shane Wall. So <laughs> when when the Tubby Beach Bar oh, Lance, Ar- no, Lance Armstrong yeah. wandered out to take the award, probably with Liz Hurley. On his arm, they must have thought, "What the hell's going on here?" Yeah. So, and and I'm I'll be right in thinking that that Andrew Flintoff would have won Sports Personality of the Year that year as well. Uh, I think he probably would have done, wouldn't he? Um, yeah. I mean that that's got to be the last time Sports Personality of the Year has actually been won by somebody with a personality in it. Uh, I don't know. Didn't Wiggins win it one year? Has he got a personality? I don't know. Anyway, we're uh, we're probably about an hour and a half deep now. So if you're still listening, congratulations. Um, 
Remember, we're going to boycott the Premiership uh, just for one weekend. Not the weekend, you know, we'll make sure Doug's working. And uh, <laughs> we'll leave him there on his own in the Stone X with James. Yeah, Jay, yeah. Well, Jay, yeah. You'll have a lovely time. James is a lovely bloke. Yeah. You know. Maybe you know, because they've, they've even they've even cornered the women's game now, haven't they? You know, Darling and Maiden Park are going to get kicked out of the Premiership. Are they? It's just all going to be women's. You know, um, Loughborough are going to be Northampton Saints. Oh, they're going to be all properly affiliated, are they? Yeah. They're going to be yeah. been mirrored. Yeah. Is that is the Darlington? Is that the? Um, the no, Andy Murray's did. won Sports Personality of the Year three times. Fuck me. It's, it's, <laughs> wow. That's incredible. I, I, I'm aghast at that. No, I'm a gog. A gog. I mean, he, he has won Wimbledon, but he's yet to find a personality. He hasn't had a personality and he's won the bloody thing three times. Unbelievable. There you go. Right. We're going to get off. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We will see you all next week for some Six Nations chat. Hopefully the handsome one will be back with us um, next week. And uh, yeah, we'll pay from there. Go well. It's very tech. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.